Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I thought yesterday was awesome, uh, and... You know, I'm going to take a couple of days to try to get through this. We're really trying not to make the show like six hours long. So I'm not going to do everything today that I could because I want to kind of, you know, just try to keep try to keep a certain pace going here in terms of the content that we deliver. But we got a chance to hear yesterday from Georgia defensive coordinator Glenn Schumann, uh, Georgia tight ends coach Todd Hartley. And boy, you want to talk about what makes Georgia, Georgia, the success this program has had, you know, why it is they're able to do what they're able to do. Those two coaches so good at talking about that. Obviously, Schumann had a big opportunity to leave Georgia here this year. The fact that he didn't says something both about Glenn and the Georgia program. Hartley's just a great guy to hear from. You know, you know, clearly one of the most popular Georgia assistants because of the success that he's had there. And another guy who I just think also got kind of a cool story to tell. And uh, a guy who has really risen the coaching ranks, maybe not you know necessarily a guarantee that he'd ever be where he is but through his hard work and determination he's you know been recognized as one of the top young coaching minds in all of college football he deserves credit for that and so over the course of the next couple of days the Schumann stuff and uh, the Hartley stuff we're going to unpack a lot more of that and just give you an idea of what it is that makes Georgia Georgia really strong quality assistant coaches go a long way towards doing that but there is one thing that Hartley did say kind of away from the topic of his typical position tight ends or at least we're going to kind of move this away from tight ends that I do think is probably an important thing for Georgia fans to lean on here right now so give me a second we'll get to that here in a moment yesterday was you know kind of an interesting day around dog nation from the standpoint that Peyton Woodyard the uh, four-star safety uh, for the uh, Georgia Bulldogs who had been to commit flipped that commitment to Alabama yesterday as a way of being fair and balanced I'll at least show you this on the screen here of uh, Woodyard now uh, showing off the Crimson Tide deal there uh obviously our friends over on three do a good job with some of those edits the woodard's got his there and so i'm sure alabama fans are very happy about that and for georgia fans i think you know fairly and rightly so the question comes up and that's probably all we need to see at that <laughs> we'll do that for a second to be fair and balanced uh but that we, we probably don't need to see uh much more of that georgia fans might say but the point is is that a lot of georgia fans on the heels of the woodyard thing yesterday are kind of left to wonder okay well you know what does happen you know where do you go from here after that and this is one of those deals where you, know, you try to be as honest as you possibly can which is that obviously Woodyard was a good player and Georgia would have clearly liked to have had him in this class it also seems fairly obvious that over the course of the last few months that Georgia had been putting a lot of emphasis on KJ Bolden maybe Woodyard noticed that certainly there had been some circumstantial evidence suggesting that the overall bond between Georgia and Woodyard was not necessarily all that strong or at least not as strong as it could be because after Woodyard took his official visit to Georgia he also took a series of visits after that there as well I know a lot of folks who are sleuths on social media had noticed there had not been a lot of love by Woodyard for Georgia on social media in fact I guess last few days uh, I think there was very little evidence of Georgia at all on any of the uh, feeds there for Woodyard oftentimes sometimes anyway that might be a precursor decision in this case that appears that it was that Woodyard ends up uh, going to Alabama so good player uh and a aftermath of a situation where georgia on saturday lost out on kj bolden probably the safety of the program probably once more than anything else once again if we kind of use the circumstantial evidence as our guide there on that but either way it's a couple of safeties here over the course of the last couple of days uh bolden who had been a target woodyard who had been a commit and now they have both said we want to play somewhere else other than georgia at least for right now uh that was the that was the statement that was made so if you're a georgia fan it's a fair question to ask okay well where do you go from here you know what is all of this about if you're georgia and that's where i think the conversation gets really interesting and luckily you don't have to try very hard to put a positive spin on this because i i, I am sensitive to the notion of anytime there's any kind of bad news in recruiting there is always that temptation to just want to like erase it all and make it all disappear well that's okay 
you know, and you've heard this for decades, right? You know, so-and-so school didn't want him anyway, or, you know, so, you know, whatever, whatever thing that gets told to kind of make people feel better after a commitment decision, we're not necessarily doing that here. Woodyard's a good player. If he wasn't a good player, wouldn't be able to go to a program, the quality of Alabama. And if he wasn't the kind of player that Georgia wants, he wouldn't have been a commitment to Georgia prior to yesterday. So I don't think there is any reason to kind of exaggerate, lie, or say something that's not true here necessarily. But luckily at a place like Georgia, it's also fairly easy for UGA to kind of pivot on stuff like this and sort of move on uh to whatever's next and for georgia i think this kind of comes down to a couple of things right now in the aftermath of the decision that woodyard made yesterday and i'll show you this interesting tweet that connor Riley put up yesterday kind of focusing in on some photos that georgia had shared of a recent practice here and you're reminded that while woodyard may rather be in tuscaloosa and at least for now kj bolden may rather be in tallahassee that does not mean there isn't a young safety on the way here for Georgia who could pay dividends very very quickly someone who's already in the roster obviously I'm talking about Janelle Aguera let me show you this in the screen because Georgia shared a very nice picture of Kirby Smart talking to Janelle Aguero during practice and Connor Riley says of that picture that you know here's Kirby Smart with freshman safety Janelle Aguero that makes me go Connor says hmm given the events of the past few days on the recruiting trail so if I'm reading between the lines of what Connor may be noticing there about that picture, I think you see a couple of things here going on. I think you clearly see Aguero being the kind of young player that Georgia believes could make an immediate impact here this season. If not, Kirby Smart would not be taking some of his valuable practice time and giving so much of it in kind of a one-on-one fashion to uh, Janelle Aguero. That's probably circumstantial evidence that you can kind of make sense of there. And beyond that, too, I mean, everything in this day and age seems to be some sort of message to recruits. How good of a message is this? For those of you watching on video, how good of a message is this? Hey, you're a safety you're a prospect the caliber of Aguero such as a uh, maybe a KJ Bolden or maybe some other safety who might become into Georgia's radar here right now because of the decision that Woodard, Woodyard made yesterday this is the kind of attention you get during practice you want to be the best version of yourself you want to be the, the best possible safety you can be you're going to get this kind of unfettered access to Kirby Smart during practice Smart in a teaching spot here bringing Aguero close talking to him that's what Kirby Smart gives young safeties here in this Georgia roster do you want yourself some of that of course you probably would that's a recruiting pitch for UGA and to try to find some sort of silver lining of well you didn't get Woodyard what does that mean for now KJ Bolden seems uh, like he wants to go to Florida State what does that mean well I guess you may have to sort of tolerate the fact that you got Janelle Aguero who's about as close last year being five-star as someone possibly can be without actually maybe being a five-star and that's a guy who may get a chance to sort of pop and thrive for Georgia here this season now breaking in as one of the starting safeties with Javon Bullard and Malachi Starks that might not be so easy but that doesn't mean he can't play in some nickelback situations and some things like that or just sort of find a way on the field in some form or fashion that's what Georgia may have with Janelle Aguero and by the way as I mentioned you had a guy like Malachi Starks a year ago who also kind of stepped on the field exploded right away as a freshman safety that Georgia has always been of the belief that if you're good enough it doesn't matter how old you are if you're good enough you're old enough and so uh, Aguero may be the latest example of that clearly that's the message I think that's intended there of come here get coached up like this and you can travel a similar path which kind of goes back to something that Todd Hartley was also talking about a little bit yesterday there as well this really is kind of the recruiting pitch for Georgia and clearly a program like Georgia is going after the most talented players of all but it's also kind of asking something from those players it's asking them to come here and be a part of this and contribute to a culture be benefited by that culture and you know your talent alone is not going to be the only box to checks check in terms of do you make it into this program or not you know Hartley said this as it relates to his position tight ends and all the great success he's had there but it's also easy to sort of pull this out and make it be about other positions there as well so on a day in which Georgia fans are kind of reeling maybe a little bit after having lost Woodyard and obviously still kind of thinking back to what may or may not have happened in the K.J. Bolden situation, when you look at the overall dominance that Georgia has shown, after all, still, of course, number one in recruiting uh, for the 2024 recruiting class, how is it that Georgia has been so dominant? How is it that Georgia stays so dominant on the recruiting trail, even when you occasionally get told no by, by somebody out there? How is it the Georgia recruiting machine keeps operating the way that it does? Tart Hartley gave you some great stuff on that yesterday. So take a listen to this. The first thing I'll say is 
you know, recruiting the group effort, getting it starts with the head coach. And there's not a better recruiter in the country than Kirby Smart, I'll tell you that. So when you have Coach Smart's influence, it's, uh, it's not as hard walking into a living room when you know you get Coach Smart behind you, right? Um, the other thing is the power of the logo. I mean, when you get the G on your chest and you walk into a school, you get instant credibility, you get instant respect. So the fact that you got Georgia on your shirt and you got Coach Smart as your, as your head coach, that, that makes the job not as hard, okay? Um, but I think the thing that we do a good job of here at Georgia is investing in relationships. Okay, I think we do a great job of getting to know them as people and not just as prospects and as players. And I think that's where we went out most times is people appreciate the genuineness that we have. Okay, we're real. We tell them how it is and some like it and some don't, but most people appreciate how open we are with them. I've talked to a lot of uh, college players over the years. One of the things I sometimes ask is when they would have played before one of these like really famous coaches of, did you really feel like you knew him? I mean, could you just walk into his office and talk to him anytime you wanted to and Sometimes players say yes, and sometimes players are like, ah, I'm not not quite so sure. I mean, there's this sort of version of especially the old school coach where they kind of lived in an ivory tower, and like literally in the old days of coaching, they were up in a tower, you know, like they're way up high in the air. Uh, you couldn't get to them. If you shouted at them, you're not even sure you could even really hear them. That was their way of kind of watching practice back then. And, you know, we didn't have the same kind of video capabilities I guess we do now, so maybe that was the way you had to do it back then to make sure you could see everything that was going on. But in the photo I showed our video audience a moment ago, that's not what Kirby Smart is during practice. Kirby Smart's probably a little closer to, into the grill of some of these players than maybe they, they even wanted to be. But that's the access they get to Kirby, and that's the access that Kirby wants with them. And Todd Harley says that's the way we operate as a recruiting machine here is we want to develop those relationships. We want to make that be the kind of paramount thing that we're selling about Georgia. Come here and being a part of a culture. Come here and be a part of a true, deep relationship. We like you because you're talented, but the fact that we like you means we also want you to be a part of the culture we're trying to build here around Georgia there as well. I think Hartley explains that so well in the picture that we showed of Kirby and Janelle Aguero a moment ago, the kind of elite safety that we've been talking about here this week. I think it is an example of that. So when you think about recruiting pitches and things like that, that pitch to me still really works even in this NIL age that we live in here right now. So I told you this on, I guess it was Monday, and I'll repeat this here again. Like, where does Georgia recruiting go next? I got to tell you, I'm not done with K.J. Bolden yet. I'm really not. And my assumption is that Georgia probably isn't done with Bolden here either. It is not my prediction necessarily that K.J. is going to come to Georgia because I don't know enough to be able to tell you that one way or another. But based on serious people, what they seem to see going on here, based on the track record that's in place for Georgia, based on the description that Todd Harley just gave you, the idea that Georgia can maintain an effective pitch even after uh, Bolden has made a public pledge to a Florida State. Y'all, something said on a Saturday night on streaming video is not a binding referendum, and that's not going to slow down Georgia's pursuit because Kirby Smart wants relationship with the guys that he's going after, and we're led to believe that the Kirby Smart relationship with Bolden is as strong as it is possibly with anybody. Now, ultimately, would that win this recruitment? Who knows? Right now, it looks like Florida State is well in the lead. They are the uh, school that holds on to uh, the commitment here right now. But what Hartley says is true. It has worked with so many recruits before. And whether it works with K.J. Bolden or not, it's going to work with plenty more recruits in the future there as well. It is an amazing thing to sit back and watch, this recruiting machine for Georgia, how it operates. But it doesn't operate like a machine. It operates like flesh and blood, real, living, breathing people. Georgia has a lot of humanity in the way it goes about recruiting. And that message, even in this day and age, still works very, very well. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Presented today by our friends at Breda Pass Management, and happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, live on video, 945, dognation.com, dognation app for our first and 15. Across every other platform after that, all the video stuff, the podcast stuff, of course, our friends on the radio there as well. Just so many ways for you to connect with our show, and just really glad you just pick one of them and be a part of whatever we do here. Really, really appreciate all of that. Big thanks to our friends at Breda Pass Management who make it possible there as well. The official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. Now, uh, that is a big thing to say here right there because pretty soon we're all going to be over at Sanford Stadium. A lot of us are going to be. We're going to be looking around at 93,000 people in that stadium, this venue that we've loved being and attending games at for such a long time. When we look at that place and all the other athletic venues around UGA, 
will be reminded that the that the company that protects it from termites, bugs, and critters, and all the stuff that could get in there is our friends at Breda Pest Management, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. They're also a big part, by the way, of what we do with high school football each and every year there as well. I really appreciate Matt and his staff and their commitment to high school football. That's a really cool thing that I'm very, very proud of. Love partnering with them there on that. And I love the fact they're longtime friends of ours now here on Dog Nation Daily there as well. And by the way, not only as a sponsor for our show, but oftentimes you'll see Matt in the comment section. He's mixing it up with a lot of those uh, you know, non-Georgia fans who want to come in here and kind of do battle each and every day. I love that about Matt and the entire team over there. Just good folks, good sports fans, uh, big Braves fans, obviously, uh, you know, uh, proud sponsors of UGA there as well and good partners for us here on Dog Nation Daily there too. So the thing that probably matters to you most though is is when you're ready to make the switch to braided pest management for your termite protection, uh, your, your pest control, they're going to put more money in your pocket instantly just for making that decision. This is a very well-resourced company in business since 1975, 125 employees. And the strength they've gained from the success they've earned has given them a chance to be leveraged for your benefit, putting more money in your pocket for making the decision to switch to Breda Pest Management. So let me tell you how you can do that. It's simply by going to this website. It's BredaPest.com. B-R-E-D-A. BredaPest.com. That's the website you go to. BredaPest.com. B-R-E-D-A. And you can make the switch there to Breda Pest Management, put more money back in your pocket, and you can have your home or business or rental property, wherever else, protected by the same company that's the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. And that, my friends, is a really, really cool thing. All right, something else that's going to be really cool, we're going to welcome on, I guess, in just a few minutes for the very first time ever. It's former Georgia defensive back Bakari Rambo, long successful NFL career, a guy who's uh, even been a part of you know this Georgia program, the Kirby Smart era, a guy who had some great success while at UGA. We've got a lot to talk to Bakari Rambo about here coming up in just a moment. We're going to look forward to doing that with you here today. Uh, we'll also give you an update there as well uh, on uh, a whole bunch of things. But let me also remind you before we move on here, uh, too, that we want to do our next winner for our Kroger Celebrate Teachers Contest here. I want to make sure I get this out before we kind of uh, forget about all of that. So the Kroger Celebrating Teachers winner here today. Let's go ahead and congratulate our winner for today. How about Jordan Motzinger? Uh, Jordan is our winner here today and such a uh, great piece of news. Uh, Jordan's the uh, winner, a teacher at Harrison High School, the reigning teacher of the year there, as well as the high school teacher uh, of the year too. Uh, Well-loved by our students, respected by our peers, uh, three-time recipient of the Harrison uh, high school uh, rock solid award the varsity uh, competition cheer coach a national honor society advisor national english honor society advisor and of course uh, working in the stem program there in the cobb county part of the process that involved all the cobb stem teams uh becoming a uh cognia certified program which is obviously a great thing there and obviously that great stem education very very important josh henry nominated uh jordan here so jordan congratulations to you you are our outstanding teacher today courtesy of our friends at kroger you'll get a great collection of gift cards to enjoy and uh josh is also going to be a big winner here too for making the uh, nomination that ultimately end up being the winner there so congratulations there on that jordan motzinger our uh, celebrating outstanding teachers winner today courtesy of kroger so we got that uh, glad to be able to give that to you we're going to have Bakari Rambo here in just a second, but we'll also still have Mike Griffith today on a Wednesday. Mike, originally, I thought he was going to be off, but then he reached out to say he wanted to be on the show still. So we'll have Mike on for a few minutes there at the end today. But Bakari Rambo here coming up in just a moment. Now, prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse, board today by our friends at Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. And I want to talk about another subject that's sort of been out there for Georgia as of late, confirmed by what we saw at practice yesterday for the Dog Nation uh, folks who had a chance to be out there, including our Connor Riley. And that is what looks to be a lingering injury situation here for, for uh, Georgia running back Kendall Milton, the same way he kind of dealt with that back during spring practice, or at least in a similar way. And obviously, similar to some of the things that maybe Milton's dealt with over the course of the last couple of years. Let me go through a little bit about what Dog Nation's reported on this, and then we'll kind of figure out what all this means. Starting with a story the other day at DogNation.com, citing a guy named Jake Rowe, who works for uh, On3, who had kind of reported a Kendall Milton injury. Let me read this to you a little bit from Dog Nation there on that. Uh, Georgia is dealing with a running back uh, limitation. Jay Grove of Dogs HQ reported that Kendall Milton is once again dealing with a hamstring injury. Connor Riley writes at DogNation.com that we'll see what Smart and McGee have to say about the injury. 
but uh, for now, uh, Smart was asked about the running back group the other day, and during that particular discussion and when his press conference, Smart, Smart spent more time speaking about battling injuries than he did about overall improvements for the group. And then yesterday, Dog Nation had a chance to be on hand for UGA practice there, and in terms of the limitation for Milton, that seemed to be confirmed by what was viewed there. I'll also show you this from Dog Nation's practice report yesterday. Among those who were only doing conditioning work yesterday, which means light running while being dressed in full pads, Kendall Milton, who we mentioned a moment ago, along with Smile Mondin, Kamari Laster, Ra Ra Thomas, Dan Jackson, and Tyron Ingram Dawkins. Chris Peel was also wearing a boot. Uh, Dog Nation reported yesterday there too. So the overall situation for Milton is, is you know not so banged up that he couldn't be doing some conditioning work on the side and not so banged up that he wasn't wearing a full uniform but at least banged up enough there have been some reports out there that that he's still dealing with a hamstring injury much like he did during spring practice and much like maybe similar sort of nicks and bumps and bruises have kind of impacted Kendall Milton throughout the entirety of his career and obviously you know Kendall is as frustrated with this as anyone is and obviously he I think has looked to this 2023 season as being the kind of season where he can show you what he's capable of doing with full health much the same way that arian smith talked about that the other day of hey if i'm fully healthy this is what i believe i'm able to show well you know kendall milton's probably got his own version of that so if you're a georgia fan you know what do you do about this you know how do you kind of uh make sense of where all of this is i will tell you that i am still not ready to sell any of my kendall milton stock i have been of the belief that milton was likely heading for a big season here at georgia if he had a chance to be fully healthy obviously the word if they're doing a whole bunch of uh, work there on all of that and even though this sort of feels like it rhymes with some of the things we've seen milton deal with before even going back to last spring we are still several weeks away from the start of the season and several weeks I guess, uh, ahead of a pace in which Milton could get himself back to full health. But as Connor pointed out, there is no doubt the running back position right now is one of those spots for Georgia that I think you do rightly have some questions about. It is one of those areas in which I do think you're you're left to wonder, okay, you feel like you know this about tight end and maybe offensive line and certainly areas in the defense, but running back, we didn't see a ton of it during spring, and there's a lot of changeover with that group right now given the fact that Kenny McIntosh isn't here anymore. Uh, that's one of those issues to potentially uh, you know, sort of deal with. But in and around all of that, all Georgia can do is sort of push forward and push ahead. And if you, know, you have those little camp injuries and things like that, you just got to kind of push past that and work to get the entire team ready to go and work to stay committed to the physicality and the the intensity required for a for a fall camp like George is going through right now even though uh, you're going to have a couple of guys who kind of deal with some things from time to time in fact if you want to go back to last week in that same press conference where Kirby Smart sort of I think expressed some some hope that he could see good work from these running backs here this uh, particular month he also talked about the fact that ultimately no matter who's out there and no matter who's able to go that george is going to keep going straight ahead and be as physical as they need to be during fall camp this is what smart said about injury concerns during this time of the year going back to last week well, i think that's a goal of training camp to establish physical and mental toughness well how do you do that you don't go out and say oh god please don't get hurt um football's a tough uh, dangerous sport, which we, we, we practice as smart as anybody in the country. So uh, we feel like we have a method that allows us to be physical and be tough um, and, and also protect our players. We've been very fortunate in terms of training camp in the past and, uh, you know, we're still you know, a month out. So we want to we want to get better and uh, we want our players to grow and get better and that you don't get better by not practicing. So we're going to be physical. We're going to go against each other and we're going to compete. So I think the context here is is that there is still plenty of time for Kendall Milton to be fully healthy and be a full contributor to this Georgia running back room here right now. And obviously Georgia fans hope he does, and certainly Milton hopes that more than anybody else. But while he is on the men, much like he was during spring practice, Georgia's going to keep right on going. They're going to keep right on working to create, as Kirby Smart said, the physical and mental toughness required to be successful on the field. And they're going to do that without fear of who might be hurt or who may get hurt or anything like that. They're just going to simply put the best team 
together they can given who's healthy at that moment so the running back position is a little bit of an open issue right now Milton's health in particular is a little bit of a concern I would agree but let's see where this is three four weeks from now let's see where what it kind of looks like then and by the way uh maybe even more importantly towards the end of September then in October and then November when Georgia starts playing the games that possibly matter the most clearly Georgia fans weren't happy to hear about another injury setback for Kendall Milton even as minor as this one might be but there's also plenty of time left for Kendall Milton to eventually emerge as the player that Georgia fans feel like he can be before this season is done. And that is Around the Doghouse. It's poured today by Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. And listen, you know we love Dr. Pepper around here, and college football fans have gotten used to seeing Dr. Pepper season after season, year after year for quite some time. Well, guess what? The brand new permanent flavor offering from our friends at Dr. Pepper is Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream. And Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream, zero sugar. So wherever you're doing your grocery shopping, be it at Kroger, maybe somewhere else, you can get Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream here today or Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream, zero sugar. What a really fun new beverage. We love Dr. Pepper. We love Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream and Dr. Pepper, strawberries and cream, zero sugar. So our encouragement to you is to pick some up and try it today. And of course, it's great to have them pouring around the doghouse for us here today there as well. Now, before we're done, typical Wednesday guest, Mike Griffith, will make an, appoint, uh, an appearance on the show. We'll do that a little bit later on. We'll talk to him about more of what's been kind of ongoing at Georgia camp here over the course of the uh, last couple of weeks. Mike has been watching that afar from the last couple of days. He is technically off, but he's going to be on the show here today. Greg Sankey also had some interesting things to say, too. Uh, here this week about the current state of the chaos around college athletics that seems to be erupting at the same time where the SEC is fairly confident about just kind of being uh, sort of business as usual. We'll give you some words from Greg Sankey on that here in a little bit there as well. But for now, a guy that we've been really excited about having on the show, get a chance to do that today. Not only is he a great former Georgia player, not only does he have terrific insight on the game uh, here right now, but he's also got a really cool business that he's a part of too. So we want to make sure you hear about that before we're all said and done there as well. It's the former Georgia safety Bakari Rambo here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And uh, Bakari Rambo, great former Georgia safety, long NFL career uh, here, a part of the uh, program here today. Uh, Bakari, it is such a great pleasure to have you a part of the show. We appreciate you making time for us. We hope that you are uh, doing well. Yeah, man, I'm doing very good, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, just trying to stay cool out here in South Florida, man. It's burning up out this outdoor. I understand that. It kind of reminds me of these players here these days about the fact that, you know, listen, whether it be, you know, South Florida where they're, you know, both doing at the NFL and college level training camp stuff, Georgia is there too. That's like your number one opponent this time of year, right, is like going out there and kind of battling that heat and making sure you can handle all that. We heard from Kirby Smart a moment ago, a guy that I know you know well, uh, talking about the idea of not just the physical toughness required, but there's a certain aspect of mental toughness required if you want to be strong during the month of August where that heat just beats down on you hard, whether it's Athens or South Florida or anywhere else, right? Yeah, right. I, I catch I catch a hard time out there on the golf course, but thank, thank <laughs> God for this hydration company. Thank God for this hydration product. I, it, it helps me stay pretty cool and help maintain me throughout the whole golf course and it kind of helped me make it through. I, once I play 18 holes, I'd be one, ready to play another 36 to 72 holes because my body just be feeling good. But most of the time when I'm just sitting around the house though, or, or at the park with my dog, it's, it's still pretty hot out. Yeah, so you've got a great company that you're a part of. We want to hear about that uh, before we're all said and done here. But I'm also curious about this, too. You know, you want to go back to what, I guess it was 2018. You had a chance to spend some time around Kirby Smart as, you know, Georgia coach right. there. For those of us who see Kirby on television or we watch him in the stadium, you know, you kind of feel like you get a chance to know him through some of the press conference stuff and things like that. What was it like being a part of this program at a time in which Kirby was really kind of building the foundation for what would become back-to-back national championship teams? Like, what did you see there on the inside working as a staffer at Georgia at the time that maybe is coming to full fruition here right now? Man, I knew that it was it was only a matter of time when – when uh, Georgia was going to take over the college football world, just how Coach Smart preps, how he just on top of everything. And one thing I really noticed, he don't allow anybody to get comfortable. He always pushes each individual that's in that football facility to the to their mat. Like he he don't he don't let you cheat yourself. So I just knew it was only a matter of time when 
the recruits were going to start coming in and, and Georgia was going to start winning and winning national championships. Yeah, and so we uh, saw a picture a little earlier of Kirby in kind of like a one-on-one situation during practice, working with the safety, a guy that plays the position that, that you played. Like, how valuable is that to kind of get that? You know, you want to go back to the old school days of coach oftentimes we kind of up in the tower, far removed from the rest of the team. When you got a guy like Kirby who is, I think, such an expert teacher – when he's doing that kind of individual one-on-one attention, really kind of giving you that, at times maybe more intense of a coaching process than some players might want, but nonetheless, he's really kind of getting that sort of coaching, teaching, training mode. How valuable is that for those players? It's very valuable, just knowing like what he has produced as a coach and also just knowing him doing it at that level too and being successful, it helps out a lot. Because um, once he speaks, you know, you, you gain much respect for him. Um, it's really like my dad always told me, if, once your coach stops stop coaching you, that's when you should start worrying. So as <laughs> long as he's standing on them, I, I, he sees something in them, and he's going to continue to – he promised them that. Once he recruits you and, and he comes to your house, he promised you that he's going to get – he's going to push you. And like, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but you have to fight through it because – he wanted more. He, he don't want to have. He don't want want it more than you do, and he wants you to see that. So you have to go out there and compete and accept the coaching and just try to be better. What makes a great safety? Because we've talked about this position a lot the last few days, whether it be around some UGA recruiting topics. Obviously, George expects to have between Malachi Starks and Javon Buller, two outstanding safeties here this year. You were, of course, the guy who played that position at the highest level possible. What makes an outstanding safety in your mind? Um, a leader. I'm someone that can communicate. Um, a good tackler. Someone that can cover. Um, someone that could blitz. Um, I really think if I had to make an ideal safety, it would be Brian Dawkins because yeah. that's one guy that did 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 everything. He. He could play in the box. He could play in the middle of the field. He could tackle. He could blitz. Um, he could, he had ball skills. He had the speed. He had the strength. So I think all of those things were are, are what really makes a, a really good safety. I want to ask you this there as well. As someone who's kind of watched the, the championship success that George has enjoyed, you said a moment ago you knew that Kirby Smart would eventually bring that. You know, this is the school that you played for. This is still a, a school that I know you're incredibly proud of there as well. What has it been like for you these last two years to watch Georgia win the national championship? I mean, when you're down there in South Florida or hanging out with your old NFL buddies or whatever else, when all of a sudden you got the bragging rights here, what, that, what has that been like for you to get a chance to watch that here over the course of the last couple of years? And now every time you go up, show up somewhere wearing that G, uh, everybody knows that you're uh, part of the program that's the uh, reigning national champions um it's a good it's a great feeling just um walking around with the g on knowing that you are back-to-back champions um i always felt proud walking around with it on because it's it, it stands for something but just knowing that your team winning and everybody know like what you see in them is like really showing now it's, it's a great feeling and then, as we said earlier, you know, you've got a great business that you're part of here right now. One of the things we like doing on our show is highlighting what former dogs are doing. And obviously, we saw you on Sundays for a long time playing in the NFL. And then you kind of move on to the next phase where you kind of get involved in, you know, business life there, too. You've had great success there. And tell folks uh, a little bit about what you're a part of and, and what it is that, that, that you're doing and how they can kind of benefit, benefit from the hydration product that you're, uh, that you're connect, connected with here right now. So I'm a part part owner of this company called OMG Two Minute Hydration. Uh, we're based out of South Florida. Me and my uncle um, is the ones that's behind it. Uh, the main the main thing about it, we don't use sugar. I mean, diabetes diabetes is crazy right now. How the sugar intake for kids and other individuals is like extremely high. So we don't carry sugar. And the next thing, the how fast it absorbs. We use an electric cell that um, travels faster through your body than water. So literally in two minutes, your body will start breaking it down to um, start hydrating you with all the electric cells and minerals that, that's being carried with the electric cell. Unlike some of these other products that's used, that are using sugar, uh, it takes your body 45 minutes to start the process of breaking it down. So if you was in the game and you cramp up, um, by the time that sugar product that you just drunk, before it kicks in, 
it's part the game is probably over, you know. So with our product, it's able to absorb faster and get you back on the field a lot faster. We have low sodium and clean ingredients, so you can drink it all day, like all day, every day. I drink five of them a day, and I'm like, I went and played basketball yesterday, and I was jumping out the gym. Um, it helps with muscle recovery. When I work out, um, I could, my body feels great the next day. And, like, when I was playing ball, I used to have a problem with cramping. We don't, there's no cramps, no crass, because we don't use sugar. But when I was playing ball, I used to have a problem with uh, cramping. So I used to have to get an IV before the game. Now, I feel like if I'd have had this product, I wouldn't have had to because I would have been hydrated. And I don't, I wouldn't have been feeling bloated after drinking a ton of Gator, uh, sugar products like Gatorade or Powerade or whoever. Um, I wouldn't have been feeling as bloated and out of shape and tired and out there wore off out of crash. So I feel like this product is, is basically what's going to change the world and it's the future. If people want to find you guys online, how can they do that? Um, you go to our website, omghydration.com. Bakari, it is such a great pleasure to have you on the show today. I really appreciate that. Love, uh, love looking back on your career and the uh, great success that you're a part of and your insight on these Georgia Bulldogs here right now. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do this sometime again in the very near future and continued uh, success, my friend. All right, thank you. Have a great one. Good stuff there from Bakari Rambo. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, so Rambo, obviously a great player. Going back to the Kirby, I uh, should say the, the Mark Richter, and then working with uh, Kirby Smart as a, a staffer there in 2018. Uh, now uh, kind of out there in the business world, so fun stuff to get a chance to connect with him today. Our normal Wednesday guest, Mike Griffith, we'll get a chance to talk to him here in a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll get some thoughts from Mike on kind of what has been ongoing in Athens the last couple of days. We'll do that here in just a, a little bit. For now, though, uh, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And speaking of Royal Caribbean, so many fun things on tap for Royal Caribbean here in 2024. You've heard me talk about the debut of Icon of the Seas, largest cruise ship in the world when it debuts here coming up in January. That is going to be a redefining experience in terms of what a cruise vacation is all about. That's going to be a lot of fun. But also, how about Utopia of the Seas, July of 2024, a brand new Oasis-class ship doing those three and four night sailings out of Port Canaveral. Really, no one does the short cruise sailing as well as our friends at Royal Caribbean uh, does. And obviously, Utopia of the Seas is going to be the next generation of all that when it hits the uh, seas the first time in July. How much fun is that going to be? And of course, speaking of Oasis-class ships and four-night sailings, that's also what the Dog Nation cruise is all about there, too. So Jessica Slater is the name to know on this. A great travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean to handle all of our Royal Caribbean cruise vacation needs. You can email her, jslater, dreamvacations.com. You can call her, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or you can go to a website that she's put together, royaldogs.com. If you want information about Allure of the Seas, the ship that we're going to be on for our Dog Nation cruise in April, going to Nassau on the Bahamas and Perfect Day, Coco Cay, bigger and better than ever before on an Oasis-class ship. Hundreds of you have already signed up to join us. Others of you are getting ready to do the same thing, royaldogs.com. Great website to go to to find out all about that. So yesterday was an interesting day on the Paul Feinbaum show in that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey showed up and he talked about kind of his viewpoint on where the SEC is with all the crazy stuff that's going on around it. You know the Pac-12 is basically on its way to being dissolved. The Big 12 has grown. The Big 10 has really grown and now stretches from coast to coast. The ACC is even being rumored to be interested in sort of the remaining cast-offs from the Pac-12, Cal and Stanford, possibly SMU there as well. Florida State has talked about taking on private equity money, which is a fancy way of saying a loan, and potentially looking at going independent. There's a lot of weird stuff happening around college athletics right now. And Greg Sankey came out yesterday to say that he believes the SEC is still in a very, very strong position. And I think that's obviously true. I have, though, expressed some concern about where the SEC is in relationship to everything else going on around here. And, you know, Sankey yesterday said, hey, we don't need to go out and take teams in the, in, in the Pacific, basically the West, you know, the Pacific time zone way out West to have interest out West. People like our league, even if we're not in that part of the country. That's basically what he was saying yesterday. And to a certain extent, that is true. The numbers bear that out. If you look at the highest rated games a season ago, four of the, uh, should say three of the top four highest rated games in college football last year all involved SEC teams. 
The number one highest rated game last year in the regular season was Ohio State-Michigan. Then the next three games were all SEC games. So from that standpoint, Sankey can say, hey, people like our league. Our, our league still does plenty well when it comes to the overall TV ratings, especially for the best teams in our league. And to an extent, that is true. But here's the one word I'll give you as a way of caution on this. And this is why I've expressed some skepticism about how the SEC is positioned right now, at least from the standpoint that I think it needs to be careful. And here's part of the reason why I think the SEC needs to be a little bit careful is when you look at those games that I mentioned a moment ago and really all of the highest rated SEC games a year ago, they all have one thing in common. They all took place on CBS that the highest rated SEC games right now are all on CBS, the traditional, which we used to call kind of an over-the-air broadcast network. That's probably a little bit of an antiquated phrase, but kind of a traditional TV network. All of the highest rated SEC games take place on CBS. So we have a little bit of a new frontier we're going to be experiencing a year from now, not this season, but next season, when a very valuable product, the SEC, and what has been a very viable TV network, CBS, when they divorce from each other. Like, what kind of TV ratings can the SEC draw when it's on the ESPN family of networks? As you know, and you've heard me say before, if you're a regular viewer or listener to this program, I am a little bit skeptical of the current relationship that the SEC has with ESPN. I do not believe that ESPN and ABC, if you want to count that in this, are as aggressive as a media partner for the SEC, as I believe that Fox primarily Uh, but also CBS and NBC could prove to be for the Big Ten. And I do think that's a a little bit concerning. In fact, not to turn this into like Bloomberg, but uh, the other day, you know, uh, Bob Iger, who's the Disney CEO, was being interviewed on CNBC. He even talked about the possibility of Disney, which owns all of this, spinning off ABC and just sort of selling it to somebody else. What happens to the SEC if Disney sells ABC? Like, like, what, like, what, what happens if you lose one of your big broadcast platforms for your league here moving forward? I think that's a question that the SEC folks ought to be exploring. There has been some chatter out there in the sports business world that you know a, a sports league, such as maybe the NBA or something like that, might pump money into ESPN because I think a lot of the professional sports leagues believe that a strong ESPN benefits them, but it probably only benefits them to the standpoint of it's the kind of entity that can sort of pump billions of dollars into their league. I mean, we now know that ESPN's overall subscriber number has dipped to around, what, 73 million or so? Technically speaking, and this is going to be a surprise to many of you, technically speaking, FS1 is actually in more homes right now through the traditional cable bundle than ESPN is. That seems hard to believe, but it is true here right now. Now, ESPN still has more cachet than FS1, but ESPN's cachet is not what it once was. So when Greg Sankey goes on the Feinbaum show and he flexes and he talks about how strong of a position the SEC is in, I think for the most part what he's saying is true. And obviously those of us who love the SEC want it to be true. But I'm telling you right now, this is a time in which I think the SEC needs to be careful I do and Sankey can sort of posture and sort of express this you know alpha sort of image when he's being interviewed and kind of really argue on behalf of the SEC but privately this is a league that I think needs to just be paying attention to its media landscape here right now what the Big Ten has going for it partnered with TV networks that still do TV very well. I think we're in kind of a day and age right now where ESPN's left to wonder what it does very well. I mean, we are within what next five years from ESPN being offered as a kind of standalone subscription service, kind of over the top. Sometimes you hear that kind of used that way. People can still get it via cable, but that may not be the main way that people access ESPN in the future. Well, that, what's that going to do to the revenue that ESPN brings in? That's the revenue that ESPN pays the SEC with. We already know that uh, you know ESPN's had you know, thousands of layoffs, and ESPN did not want to pony up extra dollars to the SEC right now for a ninth conference game. And all this sort of boardroom business talk, and frankly, a little bit boring to some. But in terms of the SEC's ability to remain the top conference in college football, the league with the most passionate fans, the best players producing the best overall teams, 
how it handles its business in the business realm is going to matter. And this is one of those areas that no matter what Sankey may say publicly, privately, I hope they're considering every option here because uh, this is going to be a knockdown drag out in the future between the SEC and the Big Ten to dictate the terms of all future college football discussions. That power right now is up for grabs and seeing who's able to take it in the future years is going to be, I believe, uh, really very interesting. Now, let me do one more thing before I bring on uh, Mike Griffith here in uh, just a moment. So we talked yesterday about the release of the coaches poll. And you can go ahead and get Mike on the phone if you want to. But we talked yesterday about the release of the coaches poll, kind of what it looked like the top 10. Obviously, Georgia number one there in that spot. What was happening underneath Georgia? Mighty Michigan, who's gotten so much attention here over the course of this offseason. They came in at number two, despite the fact they actually didn't get any uh, preseason number one votes. Uh, Alabama got some. Ohio State got one. Michigan, Michigan didn't get any, but on the basis of the overall voting, they were at number two. There were a couple of other SEC notes, though, that I want to make sure you got here on this because there were actually two teams that Georgia will face in the regular season who did show up in the preseason coaches' poll. Uh, one of those near the back end of the poll was Ole Miss. Now, if I ask Georgia fans who is the second toughest team you'll face this year how many of them would say Ole Miss I'm not quite so sure but on the basis of the preseason coaches poll Ole Miss would be the second toughest team on Georgia's uh preseason schedule here ahead of a road game at Auburn or maybe a game like South Carolina South Carolina got I think the second most votes of any team that did not make the coaches poll second most points awarded by the votes of the teams that did not make the coaches poll I would probably rank South Carolina as a slightly tougher game uh, for Georgia than Ole Miss especially based on when the game is going to be played but perhaps even more surprising than that Tennessee actually cracked the top 10 on this and based on some of like the way too early top 25s that have been out there we'd sort of seen Tennessee somewhere in that sort of 15th 16th range but they actually made the top 10 of the uh, coaches bowl that came out here this week so at least on the uh, on the basis of that it sounds like there's some expectation out there that Tennessee can kind of follow up on it did a year ago breaking through by beating Alabama while also being kind of a top 10 level team again here this year I'm probably a little bit skeptical of that just overall but obviously uh tennessee going to be a very formidable foe just given the way they score points and the and the bunches the way that they do and for now we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and here on wednesday so frequently we bring on uh mike griffith here on our program mike i thought i was going to be off today but he was kind enough to say that he wanted to be a part of our show so we'll give him a chance to uh do that here right now uh mike thanks for your time i hope you're enjoying a little uh, i guess time off before the season really gets rolling in a, a few days we appreciate you popping on and being a part of this uh with us here today on dog nation daily presented by Breda pest management yeah, Brandon, you know, I was thinking about something, and, uh, you know, this whole offseason narrative about Georgia's schedule. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see Alabama playing a top-10 team on the road this year. Do you? Uh, no, uh, not right now. They'll get a chance to host LSU. That is certainly the case. So from that standpoint, I guess Georgia's got a little something going for them there. I mean, I will admit, I think that Tennessee probably loses twice before it hosts Georgia, so that may not quite be as relevant by the time we get to November. But the point you're making for now is certainly an accurate one. Well, I, you know, that's that's my point. I mean, I don't know, you know, what grab bag rankings they choose. I mean, for that matter, Georgia played a number one ranked Tennessee team last year that hadn't lost a game and that had beaten both Alabama and LSU. So my only point is I think it's pretty convenient logic to throw Georgia's schedule under the bus. And, you know, based on what we think might happen, based on what we thought might happen, Alabama was supposed to win a national championship. And, and there were people wondering if Brian Kelly was a better hire than Billy Napier. So, I'm just dealing with the facts and the perceptions that are out there, and it would seem to me uh, that on the one hand they're saying Georgia doesn't play a good schedule, but on the next I see Tennessee ranked in the top ten according to the coaches' perceptions. So, uh, you know, the next time somebody wants to trash Georgia's schedule, I might just point out that they're playing a top ten team on the road and – I don't see Alabama doing that at this stage. Yeah, I mean, part of what I've said about this, Mike, is part of the reason why it appears that Georgia's playing easy games because when you win a national championship game 65-7, to they're all easy games, that it's very difficult for Georgia to find a team that's capable of keeping it close. It's not impossible. Obviously, Georgia played two close games a year ago, but it's certainly difficult because the other 13 were fairly well in the bag by the time you got to the fourth quarter. That's part of what that is. And the other thing is we've obviously had our fun last, you know, 
couple of months about the idea of what we call mighty Michigan, this team that everybody seems to have fallen in love with. And admittedly, if you want to make the comparison to other college teams, Jim Harbaugh has done some good things. He's been beating Ohio State two years in a row. But the idea that everyone seems to have an opinion about Georgia's schedule and only just lately have people noticed the fact that Michigan plays an even weaker schedule uh, than Georgia does. Michigan may be a three-touchdown favorite in almost every game that it plays, with the exception probably of Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, The fact that there's very little chatter given to the Michigan schedule. Mike, that's one of those things that it just sort of becomes a little obvious here that because Georgia's on top, the reigning two-time national champion, there's, I believe, this intentional attempt to kind of nitpick anything you can about them. You can't do it on the field, so you do it with the schedule. You ignore that about Michigan because there's an obvious attempt, I think, to sort of build up a possible contender to UGA because a lot of these media types just simply don't want the season to be boring and over before it starts. Well, and I think you got to look at who's controlling the narrative. You know, Brandon, I was just looking uh, a couple years ago they called Georgia the biggest underachiever in college athletics going into the 2021 in college football. One of the ESPN authors did that. And, you know, lo and behold, they lost 15 players to the NFL and 13 to the portal, including four former starters, and they put together an undefeated season. Now, you tell me how Kirby Smart's not the consensus national coach of the year last year. So a lot of this is narrative from ESPN. ESPN has their favorites, and here's the deal. Kirby's not one of them. And I, would, I normally don't cuss on the air, so I'm not going to this time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit this one out. I'm just going to say that Kirby doesn't kiss the butts like a lot of these other coaches do. And if you're wondering why Kirby Smart hasn't won more National Coach of the Year honors, that's the only reason. Because what they've done on the field is historic. Winning back-to-back national championships at a time when it's more competitive than ever because of this ridiculous 14 playoff, you know, where a team doesn't even have to appear in their conference championship game, Alabama 2017, or you, or, and then they tell you that Georgia's not one of the best four teams in the nation, 2018, and, and yet Georgia still was able to become the only program to win back-to-back titles, and now we're sitting here, t- they're telling us that, well, the schedule's not going to be tough this year. And then the polls come out, and I see a top-10 Tennessee team uh, that everyone's talking so much about uh, on the road in November, and, and everyone wants to overlook that and, and, to your point, overlook Michigan. And I grew up in this state. I'm, I'm in that state right now. I'm 45 miles from Ann Arbor. And I thought about going down there and seeing what it was all about. But then I remembered I know what it's all about. And that's the biggest underachieving program in the nation. But nobody wants to write it or say it because they have a large media conglomerate in Detroit called the Blue Wall. Different show for a different day. Point is, you're right. Georgia doesn't get the credit that they deserve. And they won't for a long time. So if we use the coaches poll as our guide, Ole Miss in November, a home game is the second toughest game on the Georgia schedule just based on the way the coaches voted for their preseason poll. Do you believe that's true, Mike? No, I think the road game at Auburn is going to be tougher. Yeah, me too. And only because of circumstance, because it's going to be the first road start, likely for Carson Beck, but I leave the door open for the competition because that's what the head coach tells us. And, and he seems to mean business because if he was zeroed in on his guy – he'd be giving that guy 80% of the work with the number one. But clearly there's a competition to some degree. We'll find out more after the Saturday scrimmage. That'll be the first time that the Bullets are quote-unquote live, as live as they're going to get. They don't hit their quarterbacks, albeit JT Daniels was injured by Jalen Carter in a quote-unquote non-contact scrimmage uh, because Jalen threw a player into him. He's such an animal. Apparently Jalen's killing it in the NFL right now, too. I don't know if you've seen those reports, but they can't block this guy. They can't block this guy. Nobody could block this guy. The question is, who is Georgia going to come up with that can fill those shoes, or what scheme will Kirby use? I don't know if you caught this, Brandon, but the other day at that press conference from Kirby, he said there was a chance they could have three outside linebackers on the field at one time. And I don't know if you've seen that before, but it certainly sounds to me like there's going to be some creative scheming from Schumann and Smart and Muschamp. Yeah, that should be uh, a lot of fun to watch and, you know, seeing how they try to deploy a lot of the talent they have. I know that Glenn Schumann had some interesting stuff yesterday about, like, Jalen Walker and some things like that. So they've clearly got a lot of weapons at their disposal defensively and how they choose to use them will be a, a lot of fun. You know, Mike, I also I believe I understand that Saturday is the uh, booster scrimmage. So Some boosters, I guess, get to go a lot, but more boosters will get a chance to be there on Saturday. So in terms of things regarding quarterback and stuff like that, is my, my guess is we start to hear some pretty substantial rumors about some 
some of this kind of stuff. So if Beck is clearly the better, my guess is we'll be hearing some of that. And if it looks close between the two, uh, Vandegrift or maybe even Gunnar Stockton, a factor in this there as well, we'll be hearing that there then too, that a lot of this kind of stuff, even if you wanted to try to keep it secret, it becomes a little harder to keep it secret when you got a lot, of, a lot more eyeballs on uh, one of these scrimmage deals coming up the way that I'm expecting that you will on Saturday. Yeah, and that's not an accident. Kirby Smart wants these kids to be to be under fire. He wants them to hear the noise. He wants them to hear themselves talked about. He wants to study. And I heard you have Jake Fromm on, and to me that's one of the most valuable segments uh, on, on any Georgia podcast. And I'm so glad we have Jake on Dog Nation because there's so much insightful stuff that comes out of the questions that you ask and, and how Jake answers them. And Jake said, you know what, sometimes Coach Smart does play that game. Sometimes he does create situations. You know, Brennan, I go back to the start – of the 2018 season, and he had that open scrimmage, wide open scrimmage. Now, that's just not Kirby Smart. There was some intent there. He wanted to see what was going to happen in front of that many people. That was not an accident by Kirby Smart. And he is going to have a degree of access that benefits him and gives him the objective. And to some degree, I think you're absolutely right. He wants to see how Carson Beck stands up to the pressure. He wants to see what Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandergriff can do with the big crowd. Now, we know that the spring scrimmage was orchestrated. We recognize it was nationally televised. We understand that there had to be a lot of offense because kids like to see that. You know, but old stubborn Kirby, what do you know? The defense was great in the second half, and oh, by the way, Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers weren't targeted. But my point is, this fall is different. This isn't about a showcase. This isn't about a television opportunity to recruit. This is about putting these quarterbacks in uncomfortable situations and seeing how they react, either positively or negatively. And then what he says, you know, he's going to air it out, too. Kirby's having a press conference today. He's not doing that because he loves the media. He's doing it because he's going to send some messages on Saturday afternoon, and you're going to have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about next Monday on Dog Nation Daily. Let me finish with this, if you don't mind. Uh, some Georgia fans we've obviously been talking a little bit about, you know, the, I guess, continuation of what has been a storyline of Kendall Milton battling a hamstring injury and that's obviously a disappointment for UGA fans who I think have big expectations and certainly high hopes for Kendall here this year we didn't see much of him during the spring and it sounds like he's a little hobbled by that right now what do you make of the continuation of that both for him individually but also the fact that right now this is a Georgia running back room and a little bit of a I guess in, in a bit of flux right now too well, I'll be frank, and, you know, at some point I always seem to say something that people don't like, so this might as well be it. You know, Del McGee gets patted on the back a lot, and I've only seen one first-team All-SEC running back in his entire tenure, and it was DeAndre Swift. He inherited Chubb and Michelle. I'm disappointed that the running back's room is not better than it is right now. I'm not going to say Kendall Milton's name. I'm disappointed. Because, you know, Dejon got hurt, right? Branson Robinson's been hurt. Andrew Paul's been you know, and, and I understand that, that some of this is just misfortune. But as a whole, just collectively, take everything off the map, take, you know, no pre, you know, first team off, Del McGee. Bottom line, I'm disappointed with the Georgia running back room, period, just collectively, just in general. I don't know why Georgia doesn't have somebody that's first team All-American preseason. I, this is a tremendous offense to work in, and they recruit exceptionally well. Everybody, Georgia is a... A, a name brand. I mean, my goodness, it's a national brand. I'll tell you, Brandon, when I would come back up to Michigan that first or second year, because I come back here every year, they have a Hall of Fame ceremony, and there's a lot of people that I covered in college and people that helped me in my career, and I come back every year to say thank you to those people, sincerely. And it just as I appreciate everything that you do and, and everyone at Dog Nation, nobody makes it alone. But my point is, when I would come back here the first couple of years and say I covered Georgia, it was a shrug. Now that they, they now, oh my gosh, you cover Georgia. Wow, what are they doing? To, how do they do it? Those guys, you know, you think I was, you know, covering, uh, you know, the league, the Justice League of Heroes out of New York because of the way these dogs uh, have sent a message. You know, every, you know, these Michigan fans are pretty arrogant until you say, you know, oh yeah, oh yeah, well he covered Joe. Oh well, you know, everybody gets a little uncomfortable there. All the all the Missy, the arrogance in Michigan, the air just comes right out of their sails. I'm telling you. This is a brand that travels now. So dialing it back to what I was saying, I'm disappointed as a whole with the running back. Not one individual, but just when I look at the running back room, I think to myself, this should be better. This position group should be – I actually ranked the position groups yesterday, and I thought this was the last place position group 
on the Georgia football team right now? Well, it's certainly the one that's got the most questions about it. There's no uh, doubt about that, and we'll see what they can do to start answering some of those as we head towards the most important games that Georgia plays. I agree with something you said a little earlier. I believe on the road at Auburn is a really important time to have some of this stuff figured out by the time we get to the end of September. So we'll see if we're able to do that or if Georgia's able to do that. Mike, we'll see if we uh, can follow all this stuff as it goes on, and we'll certainly look forward to having you on the uh, show again very soon there as well so enjoy your time way up north and we'll look forward to having you back down here in the uh, peach did again very soon there as well look forward to it brandon thank you good stuff there from uh mike griffith certainly interesting stuff uh for sure if nothing else and we'll remind you our friends the finish long drink obviously a really fun thing to enjoy here this time of year you're out playing golf you're going to the pool whatever else you got going on our friends the finish long drink want to be a part of it with you and of course right now speaking of being in the peach state there's a brand new flavor for folks in the peach state but the peach flavored version of the finished long drink there as well you've tried the long drink traditional in the blue can the grapefruit flavor the gin kick the long drink cranberry long drink strong and half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero no carbs no sugar you've tried all of that well the newest version for you to try is the peach flavored version of the finished long drink so if you put the zip code in at the website thelongdrink.com you can find out where you can pick some up today and enjoy the same great finished long drink but the brand new flavor of the peach flavored version of the finished long drink make sure you try some of that today Obviously, Dale McGee is a guy who's had great success with his 2024 recruiting class. Nate Frazier, the latest example of that on Saturday. Uh, dog fans certainly loving that. And that's the theme of our golden shoe here today. Our buddy Ryan Walker, who always has such creative edits, sharing one of those for you there as well. Uh, say, say one more thing. Say, uh, other than back-to-back national champions ryan walker putting on twitter or i guess it's called x now although it'll always be twitter to me uh let it be known them dogs are swinging going for that third national title and if you get in the way you're going to be doing so at your own risk whether it's the rest of the sec the big 10 the acc anybody else there as well straight out of georgia he says really good stuff from ryan walker there beautiful edit and a great way to celebrate the uh, championships that georgia has been collecting their golden shoe going the way of ryan walker on that by the way lousy stinking gators they know not to get away 80 days from now they'll get another reminder that's our gatorator countdown that's how long it is before georgia beats florida again that's fun stuff we'll see you back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by breda past management